Local Matters podcast from LM Communications. I'm Jay Alexander from 1079 The Beat with Alan Stein and Dr. Aaron Gilliam from Hello. Kentucky State University. It's great to see you again. Well. We understand you've been traveling. I just returned a couple of days ago from West Africa, uh, Senegal, and the Gambia. And I was working on a research fellowship in teaching and learning. Well, tell me two things, because uh, that's pretty daggum interesting all by itself. <laughs> Thank you. What did you think? Was that your first trip to West Africa? That, that was my first trip to West Africa. It was not my first trip to the continent. So I have been to South Africa, but there was a huge difference. I would say there would be a big Africa difference. Well, tell us Africa. a little bit about Senegal and, um, and Gambia. You were... uh, yeah, I was in the Gambia. Uh, okay. So Senegal is a predominantly Muslim um, West African country. It's right there on the coast. It's beautiful. The ocean, you're surrounded by either the ocean or the lake, no matter where you look. Wow. Um, and the lake, one of the lakes is pink from the algae. It's called the Pink Lake. The Everything's in French. So I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> it's in French or Wolof. And I was like, oh, goodness. But by the end of the three, four weeks, I was speaking okay. And it was just, the experience was to um, understand religion, colonization, and spirituality and comparing it um, to post pre-colonization Africa to post-colonization West Africa. So basically, how was Senegal before the French colonized? How is Senegal after the French have colonized? And it, I study African-American history, so it gave me this comparative study of looking at how was the United States before Great Britain came in, or how were the colonies right, right, right. in that sense, and the institution of slavery, and just black people, and where we are throughout the diaspora. Well, give us a little thumbnail of what your conclusions were. My conclusions, uh, they're, they're so all over the place and I'm still trying to get them together, that when it comes to black people, people of color, we definitely try to have these, oh, well, we're different this way, but we're so much more alike than we are different. And when we talk about just the culture and wanting to succeed, that thread is common. And every, because I went to the University of Dakar, I went to elementary schools and reading institutions, and just the rich pride in the education system in both places have were there to me. And the empowerment of black women were there to me. I see that here in Lexington, and I, see that, and I saw that in Senegal, and that was powerful to me. Was Senegal, is that a, a fairly well-educated country? Well... I think it, it, it can That's be... That's probably a complicated it question. It is a complicated question. One thing I do like about Senegal and their education is that everyone goes for free, even college. And so let's say you want to get a PhD, you, get, you can go for free. But you have to be able to pass their reading exams, and their reading exams are usually in French, English, and then your tribal tongue, which could be Mandinka or Mankind or Wolof. And so to think about all those things and... So the opportunity is there, and the universities are there, and the universities are big, but then it also becomes into the idea of the economics of it. So I guess my question then could be drilled down a little bit to talk about what their liter literacy rates are. Yeah. I wouldn't know exactly. I don't have an exact number of their literacy rates. I do know that right now they have a big push for literacy, especially among women. Well, this is all very instructive because while we're here is to talk about Black History mm -hmm. Month. And this, is, you know, very well informs how we look at, in America, uh, 
black history and and all that you teach and do uh so let's move towards that a little okay. bit so your experience then informed you uh about history and comparatively what we are seeing today in the u.s can you talk a little bit about that well, definitely in the u.s i think that when it comes to education, well, let me go back to, I teach African-American history. It's my favorite thing to teach. I have the extreme passion. And um, I went back to work yesterday and I was like, I'm so tired. The, the time, the time difference in my children. But when I got into my first 930 intro to African-American history class, my students give me so much energy. Yeah. And that's, that to me is an important part for an educator. And just, I think that Black History Month and Black educator educating those about black contribution is just it was used as a cultural weapon carter g woodson was like hey i'm getting ready to show you racial uplift i'm getting getting ready to show you african-american contribution and the way i'm going to do it is through black history month the way i'm going to do it is through the celebration of black contribution to american society well let's let's even back up a little bit for our listeners mm -hmm. who are maybe asking Tell me what Black History Month really is. is. What okay. is what's the goal? What's the purpose? How did it come about? Okay, Carter G. Woodson started Black History Month. Carter G. Woodson was the uh, second African American man to receive a PhD from Harvard. Uh, du Bois the first, and Carter G. Woodson is a Berea graduate, so he has his Kentucky connections. And he started Black History. Was Week. he a Kentuckian? I no, I believe he was from West Virginia. Okay, I believe he was from West Virginia. Um, and he started Black History Month in 19, or no, excuse me, Black History Week in 1926 just to celebrate and uplift Black people. And he says that for so long we've talked about Black people and the institution of slavery, but we're so much more and we're contributing to What it. time frame are we talking about? What time? He started in 1926. 26, thank 1926. You. Okay. Um, and then it's just grown. It's just grown. It's expanded from that point forward where we've gone from a week to a month or I tell my daughters and I tell my students it's all year long um, just the celebration and the cultural contribution of the African-American people have and then when you think about Black History Month then you come into uh, Latino or Latinx history women's history and that that was that was a springboard to celebrate often marginalized people I followed you I'm sorry I I followed your trip on Facebook with all the pictures. I see you still got your henna tattoo. I do. <laughs> it's starting to fade, but I'm holding on. How did this affect you personally? I looked at the pictures and I just saw the glow in your face mm. of being there. How did this affect you personally, this trip? I um, I have done the, uh, what is it, the shoot where you do the dna to see where you uh come where you come yeah. from so i chromosome did that, the chromosome 20, or yeah, whatever right. thing um, i can't think of the actual name of it, 23, so I did that. 23 and me yeah. yes yeah. um no i did the ancestry one so okay. i did that and i wanted to see where i came from and it was uh senegal and nigeria and so so this was a homecoming this was a home and that's you. what i call that was my wow. hashtag uh, right. <laughs> wow. it was Aaron's return home or the journey back to home that was uh, my and they hashtag. were waiting for you big parade and everything right and that's how i felt <laughs> <laughs> that's how i felt and um it was the opportunity like i said i've been to the continent before but this west africa is historically most african-americans who can trace their history back to the institution of slavery are from West Africa. Not about 98% are 
or what the numbers really? are. Yes. Yeah, so that, that, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's Senegal, Gambia, Congo, Nigeria, Ghana. Um, of course, there's no true way to know, but we know we're from that region. Right. And so to feel that and to be in the place where I believe my ancestors walked was, and it was amazing. It was emotional too. Um, I did, I visited uh, a couple of slave uh, jails and I definitely visit the House of Slaves, uh, which has the famous door of uh, no return where slaves would leave Africa and gather. That's in Senegal? Coast. That's in Senegal. Yeah. It's on Gore Island in Senegal. And so the door of no return it's the last place that Af uh, Africans who are going into slavery would be in West Africa and they would walk out into a bridge onto the slave ships. And I was able to stand there and I was able to feel it. But, and of course I felt sadness and I felt that this, but I also felt endurance that I'm here. I'm able to tell the history of my ancestors. I'm able to raise daughters who are proud black women because my ancestors did endure and they were able to survive uh, the atrocities of slavery. So Here's a, a quick aside. Has anybody written a companion novel uh, to Alex Haley's Roots that is based on women? I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. There are a couple of... Uh, fiction pieces that really touch. You can share your royalties with me. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not a non-fiction, definitely. But you know, women, even in all types of history, the story of women is just starting to emerge. Right. Sadly, sometimes. I mean, we're doing a better job, so that would be a good story to do. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I, I can't write it, but I can suggest it. How's this? You can come to my book. Store. So the cuisine, <laughs> I will. The, cuisine my book. the cuisine that you enjoy, the food, tell us about Oh, gosh. I had to stop myself. Because <laughs> I'm not a big eater, but I was like, my the fish and the rice. So it's right there on the coast, and everything is fresh caught. Like, they bring the fish to your table they just caught and they leave the head on they clean it and you can pick it out at the market they season it with everything that's around you and next thing you know you've got this fried grilled sauteed fish on your plate with rice and cassava and baobab and um all, all these different types of spices and they use no salt no salt. And when you ask for salt, if you ask for salt in the restaurant, it's, oh, you're American. It's right. rude. <laughs> it's rude. That means the chef has not done his job. and But you really did need it. Wow. You did need it. Wow. And it was so fresh. I had um, shrimp. And I it was just like, it was this big. And he's like, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, no, I just caught this yesterday. Really? Yes. Wow. So what did you do for fun when you weren't teaching? When I wasn't teaching, well, I wanted to try the. I wanted to see what a West African club looked like. I know, <laughs> my students are listening to this. So I went to the club a couple of nights to see a West African club uh, or Cape Verdean one night. Then I went to a drumming club another night. Um, I also went to a traditional West African um, wrestling match. Well, a wrestling match. A wrestling match. Is that different from what we would heck, imagine? Heck yeah. Well, tell me about it. Heck, I it was the music of it. And so football is the official, or soccer, soccer right. is the official sport in West Africa. But what I was understanding from the locals is that everyone wrestles. And every every boy wrestles. Mm -hmm. And they want to be wrestlers. And if they, they have like a mixed martial arts type of wrestling. And it's 
nothing we can understand. Um, it's wrestling, it's dancing, they're drummers, they're live singers, and they're singing the tribal music as they come out. And you can that sounds so oh god, cool. but no, it's and so what cool. about the uh, the attire? The, it was extremely what we would think is West African attire. No, I mean and, for the wrestlers. Yeah, it was painted and it was beautiful. It was an art. Um, and the you could tell, like, depending on how they danced or how they were tied in their robes, what tribe they were from. Wow. You're telling a great story for our listeners. You're painting this picture. Oh, it's, it, it's, but it started at midnight. It starts at night. At midnight? <laughs> And it's done. It's done in under the darkness, and that's it's under the darkness, and it's outside. Oh, and they're not in arenas. No, 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 no. It's outside, but it's well. People that make up the ring, uh, elders make up the ring, and it's surrounded by baobab trees, which is the West African tree for life and can, um, continuity, and it, that makes up the ring. And I know it. It just sounds. It's, or it is beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It is. And fascinating. And you sit on the ground and you drum and you, it's, you're. And yeah. so the, the wrestling itself is a kind of a mashup of mixed martial arts and dance. It's a mashup, but I, I will say this, maybe uh, it was, I like the dancing and the drumming more than yeah. the wrestling. Yeah. And it took them a while to kind of, to get to the wrestling. So it started it. 12 and it was three o'clock before we left there just because of so much of the art of it and we think that our wrestlers and athletes show out no it's nothing compared to west african just the excitement for the sport that is so so fascinating tell me i want to hear about the clubs too i mean it, <laughs> they're not they're not what i would think of as a disco or anything honest it's more of a like a latin a latin to me it had yeah. a caribbean latin feel to it um and I was just like, wow, this is beautiful. And the just the music and the dancing. And there's so many wine bars in West Africa. And I, that surprised me. But then I also thought about... Are the, the wines local, I assume? They're not. They're French. They're all French. Okay. They're French. That makes sense. It, it did. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. And I was like, that's good wine. So it was... Uh, what else did I do that was so out of the ordinary? Oh, I went to... Um, the mangroves of West Africa. And I was able to see like the actual animals that are of West Africa that are reserved. So that was kind of cool. My kids would have liked that. It was kind of like a zoo kind of feel, but they're all protected. And are they different from what we would imagine as African animals? I think what I think I need to be clear and say is that Everyone has this illusion that Africa is the jungle. Right, <laughs> it's right. not. It's Lexington. Yeah. To be, there's yeah, a mall. Right. There's drugstores, pharmacies, city, public transportation. Right. Restaurants. Um, but I did go have an opportunity to go into the villages and see those type of things. Um, and my thing that I like to do when I go to different places out of the country, I like to find a local designer. So clothes designer. Clothes designer. Yeah. So what did you buy? Oh my gosh, I bought. <laughs> <laughs> I like to teach, but I love to. Shop. Well, you can write it off because you'll wear it to your class. I right? am, and I almost wore it today, but it needed to be ironed, and I still have jet lag. <laughs> but I loved it, and I love that women there because we in our heads are like, oh, well, these are my, you know, in our heads we've always said, well, maybe women in West Africa are a little more submissive the women over there are so empowered 
And I think that's my own stereotypical thought of, well, you know, they usually, they, I mean, it's proven that they marry young and all, no, women over there own their own businesses. They are in control. What's the history of that, do you think? I think because it is a, um, if it's not, if, if women there are not Muslim, they are practice of Islam, they're Catholic. And we also know that in developing countries, women tend to leave education sooner. And this is all developing countries, not just West Africa. Right. Leave education soon, sooner and get married and begin families. And so in our heads, in our Western culture heads, we're like, oh, no, we wait till we're 30. We have one or two kids and education first. But that's there, too. That's definitely there. And some of the most powerful activists I met there were women. Yes, definitely were uh, I met a hip I met a hip hop activist and a hip hop scholar, and she's a woman. Uh, her name is Fatu Sangor, and she was talking about you know sometimes just like here sometimes people don't want to hear what she has to say, but you're gonna hear what she has to say. Yeah. So that's that was, pretty empowering all by itself. And for me as a a woman who sometimes can be a bit outspoken, that was extremely <laughs> great to hear. It, I believe Jay would agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> Big question, how did Jay do with the girls while you were gone? So Jay is great. Jay's my husband, my husband of almost 10 years, and we have a 7-year-old and a 3-year-old, two girls. And right now the hashtag girl dad's going around for the mama mentality. Right. And um, I have been hashtagging Jay all day just because he's an excellent dad. He did amazing. The house was great. The girls were in pieces, or not in pieces, they were whole. Um, <laughs> the girls were in pieces. I, I don't think Jay did as well as you thought. No, no, no. So the girls were great. Uh, they ate well. Avery did say one time, Mommy, I'm tired of fish sticks. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's not him, the fish she brought back from Central no, Carolina. With him being a physician and his schedule, how did the girls handle that schedule? We have a village. Okay. We have. I have a uh, best friend, Karen, and my mom also uh, moved here recently to help out with the girls and we definitely have a village that made sure the girls were okay and had everything they needed and what even when some days when I called they were like oh mommy hold on we have company we'll call you back I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12 o'clock here <laughs> sorry to interfere sorry to interrupt mommy just wanted to talk to you <laughs> and I know he did a great job oh, because he was posting with the girls too he's a dad he, he he's he's his Girls and daddy's girls. They are extremely. They are. I I totally understand that. They definitely are. Okay, so let's wind this back to why we're here today to talk about National Black History Month. What What are some of the activities and events and things that you'll point your classes to? Okay, definitely. Um. you probably know better than I do, Jay, what the Lyric is doing this month. Uh, the Lyric is doing summer, which is starting at the 1st of February. Okay. And that's doing four dates at the Lyric Theater. Cool. About talking about some and the Voting Rights Act. That's cool. I'll, I'll definitely point my students in that uh, direction. They're not doing the movie, Selma? No, it's a musical. musical. Oh, okay. So I'll, my family and I will definitely go to that. And I'll point my students in that direction. Kentucky State University has month-long programs uh, for African American History Month. Um, so recently, since we've uh, met, lap, since last year, I'm now doing Blacks and Bourbon research. So I'm actually, we'll have a few Black History events at Buffalo Trace, as well as Wild Turkey, and just speaking on their panels about uh, African-American contribution to the bourbon industry. Yeah, well, what would that be? Oh, man. So, <laughs> well, tell me, because, because you know, 
uh, we don't see that very much. No, we don't. But one thing, the Uncle Nearest story from, um, what is it, Tennessee with Oh, yeah, yeah, Jack Daniels. Jack, Jack Daniels. Daniels. That has propelled, and Fawn Weaver, her, her research has propelled, like, no, black people aren't just coming to the bourbon industry. We've been here. Um, and it's probably, and it, research is showing that it's probably some of the first master distillers were black people. And they weren't just... Uh, enslaved, cleaning up the... Uh, what a surprise that that's not what we hear and read about. <laughs> right. 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 They weren't just cleaning out the still and shoving in the coal. They were making the rest... They knew the recipes and were probably perfecting the recipes. And, and so you're doing some research on I that am. now? I am. I am. I started doing research on it around this time last year. And I, uh, Kentucky State University helped sponsor Bourbon on the Banks, which was a festival celebrating all types of bourbon and not just drinks. You know, I had bourbon coal salad. Bourbon pie, sure. bourbon chicken. I like it was great. Like homemade bourbon wine. I didn't know all these things had bourbon in it. And then I realized that. And the research is really tough. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and then someone always wants to give me a free bottle of bourbon. Yeah, no I'm like, kidding. oh, gosh, sure. <laughs> and I know some African Americans from Louisville are just starting a brand. It is. The Pearl Brothers. Yes. Um, is it the Bro Brothers? No, it's the Broba, Broba Brothers. Broba, yeah, Broba Brothers, that's that. Right, and they just started a first African-American um, bourbon brand, distillery. Um, they actually attended Bourbon on the Banks and did a talk as well in Frankfurt. And um, I'm just, just the contribution and just the highlight and the fact that we're celebrating this and not just black people are celebrating, but everyone. You know, the people that usually reach out to me or want to help me with my research are different families. Or, uh, I had a family reach out to me from Hodgeville, Kentucky, and they're white. And they said, hey, I think uh, my family had a small local bourbon distillery, but I know for a fact that black people helped. And they were on, my, you know, and they have pictures and they invite me into their homes and want to tell me their stories. And that's amazing to me. And that's what history is. And that's what teaching is. And is that your next book? No, no, I have. I have. Our next book is going to be the <laughs> counterpart to Alex Haley's roots, right? It is. It is. It is. So we'll see. Anything else you want to add before we start to close here? Anything that I want to add? That I think that um, I had a conversation with a colleague who teaches at a small um, institution in D.C. and she's she's white, and we were talking about how we all want to study abroad that we all want to go to Germany, want to go to West Africa, but we also have to study abroad in our own backyard. And she, she What does is, that mean exactly? Meaning that there are places that we haven't been that we need to discover about often marginalized people in our own state. Have you done the Underground Railroad Trail in Maysville, Kentucky? Have you been to Alabama? Have you been to the Whitney Plantation in Louisiana? So my next thing is working on just discovering or rediscovering, because sure my parents took me to a lot of places as a kid, rediscovering these places in the U.S. and in the sub, especially in the southern region that I can drive to in a day that meant something or that means something to African Americans. That's my new, that's my own personal thing that I'm doing now. And I might take the girls or Jay, depending on how they act. <laughs> I might. Well, if you don't, then you can take this Jay. I, can take it. I would love to go. Yeah, we'll so go. That's with the you. goal. So I'm gonna hit two off this summer. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Yes. We really appreciate you coming in again. I love to and come. And you gotta promise me that you'll come back next year. Of course. 
stars. You, you're my expert. Are y'all gonna give me Birdman? Uh, I think we can work. Something. We'll we'll figure something <laughs> out. By, by then the book will be done, right? You're right. You're right. Hopefully, hopefully. So it'll be part of the uh, uh, package, the okay. props that we need. Thank you so much for coming. I in, love you. You guys are the best. Oh, you're the best too. This has been Local Matters Podcast, a presentation of LM Communications. Dr. Aaron Gilliam from Kentucky State University. Alice Stein, thank you guys so much. Thank, thank you. You, thank you bet. You.